is has real estate become a luxury good period like the the ability to purchase i mean we're talking about this scarcity with just this we're all kind of accepting the fact that there is an enormous scarcity an enormous pricing um differential that we've seen and i think you know part of what we talk about regularly is the fact that we need housing is should be more of a human right more of an opportunity more of, of something that we want as a um you know not just a high aspirational attainment but something that everybody's searching this is jim duncan with sweat the details and nest realty uh, this week jonathan keith and i talked about luxury and the premise is is real estate a luxury in 2023 and we went from there hey jonathan keith how y'all doing today we're good it is another beautiful day here at nest realty it's always sunny in Charlottesville. So, Jonathan, how do you define luxury? Uh, how do I define luxury? That's a great question. I think luxury kind of depends in, on uh, kind of the different – are you talking real estate specific here? Or are you talking – well, you know, real estate, you know, is a is a primer, but then broadly, you well, know, what is luxury? I know real estate. We were talking about this, and I'll steal maybe steal a little bit of thunder from you, but but I wouldn't necessarily know if if I define it this way right now. But we had a conversation with Jonathan Miller, an economic economist, um, four years ago, yeah, um, and he defined luxury as the top ten percent of each market, and so I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is that the same today? I'm not sure that's what we're going to be talking about because I think the question we have in our mind and the question that we, we pose to each other in some conversations over the past couple of weeks is, is all real estate luxury in 2023? Um, so I'll leave it with that question. I know we'll attack it, but what, what are your thoughts? What, how do you define luxury? Uh, luxury is, is having, ha- having, having free time while my, my business still runs. Um, <laughs> Which is available to only ten percent of the agents, and so that points back to Jonathan <laughs> Miller's comment done. that it nicely it, done. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that that's you know what is luxury is not what is luxury real estate, right? It's what is luxury as a good, as a commodity, as a as an ideal. Which right. you know, Jim, you're speaking to an ideal of what your luxury of life would be would be to be able to do your job and still have time for family and enjoyment. And I think that is there's a certain amount that. A lot of people would say that is a luxury right now to be mm-hmm. able to to take the time. Um, I think you know to be able to speak of luxuries though within markets. I really like Jonathan Miller's piece because I think for so long we used to think of what's the price point at which we want to consider luxury. Oh, it, for a long time it was seven fifty, right? Right. It's not seven fifty anymore. I mean, what did you, Jim? You you pulled our local new construction median is now over eight hundred thousand in one of our one of our areas of, of the county, I think. In Albemarle County in twenty twenty three the um That's the me- and that's a median price. So we're talking about fifty percent of the homes are, are new construction homes are going for over eight hundred thousand. No median is, is about seven eighty and average is okay. about eight eighty. Okay. So which is up a hundred thousand dollars year over year. Yeah, which is which is a crazy high number when we look back at we used to consider seven hundred fifty thousand to be luxury market. And I love Jonathan Miller's take on it because it adjusts the luxury price point on a quarterly basis based on what people are buying. And his his model said, if you are in the top 10% of the market in terms of ability to purchase, what are you buying? That's his luxury market. And I, I really appreciate that. I think that's a good, I, I like looking at it that way. But I think it's, you know, we talked about cars a little while ago. I mean, I think that cars, new cars are a luxury 
for a lot of people, for a large part of the country. You're looking at, you know, they're doing seven year loans for, for, for cars, which is just insane Bonkers. to me. Um, you know, but the, it, on average, it costs, I think it's eight eighty or, or a thousand dollars a month to operate a car insurance, car pay, car payment average, like 600, something like that. Parking, maintenance. If, if you look at Andres Duaney, who's an architect who started the new urban, or was a large part of the new urbanism market, he did a study before Suburban Nation came out, which was 20 years ago. It was before Old Trail began, because I remember talking with their developer about it. They had a Ford Escort cost $10,000 a year to operate back 15, 20 years ago. And that, if you move that forward to what current car prices are, it's way over 10,000 a year. Yes, I mean, I think that you know, a large part of the of the market, you know, broad spectrum, the market is luxury right now in the U.S. You know, so I think cars, you know, bags, houses, shoes, you know, it is, you know, a lot of it is luxury because it's not attainable, unfortunately, for, you know, a broad part of the country. But when you, when, let's talk about the car market for a second, because... Okay. Within, if you go to Road and Track or Car and Driver or whatever, and you look at the way they break out cars, all of our cars in our market, and they call them, you know, compact or you know whatever piece. Then they have the luxury tier. Right. That luxury tier is significantly more than ten percent of cars sold. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's a huge percentage. So, do you then is are we basing it also on used car sales? That that is so maybe the luxury piece of new car sales is ten percent of the overall car market. And that maybe most of within the home homeowners market, housing market, new construction becomes part of that luxury piece automatically. I would say that you know, kind of as we shift away from housing to more, com you know, more commodities, I would say the conversation of what is luxury shifts from a percentage or a tier of pricing to, to a mindset, to a perception or a mindset, or how it makes me feel, or how. I think other people perceive me for driving a certain type of car or wearing a certain type of clothes or, you know, whatever it is. So you kind of shift maybe a little bit. I don't know if there's any houses in this country that have a brand, right? Maybe there's uh, some architects and, and some builders that, that have that, but that is, that's not 10%. There are locations. There are locations. That have a brand. Yep. Mm -hmm. There are builders in very high-end markets that have a brand that if you have one of their houses and there are architects that mm -hmm. whether you wherever you are in the country that have a brand that mm -hmm. you know your house is essentially a museum, right? But that right. is such a small part of the housing market that it, you know we, we don't. I don't even know if we we have the data to talk about that right now. But the perception of of clothes and shoes and 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 you know a lot of other things like those are the those are, and from a commodity standpoint that's what I think luxury is. Well, I mean, I think it's a luxury to be able to buy you know you know the the Blundstones that I, that I have that I'm going to wear forever until they die. They're like two hundred bucks, which is you know I think is is a fairly high price for a pair of shoes. But I don't know. I don't buy shoes. I buy rainbows and I and I buy buy Blundstones. But I think that maybe that's a luxury. I mean, I think it, you know it's a luxury to be able to buy that nice thing that lasts forever instead of, you know, a crappy pair of shoes that you have to go replace every six months. Yeah. So it's kind of a want versus a need yeah. scenario, right? So yeah, that you don't need, the, you don't, you know, you don't need them, but you want them and, and you have found a way to, to, to allocate your resources towards that. So right. that's, that's how you, uh, you know, it's, it's a luxury for you. But I think, is it a scarcity question though? 
I mean, there a Blundstone is no less available than an ASIC, right? I mean, if if I want either one, I can go into a store and get them. So is scarcity a question? Because on certainly listening to the podcast on the the founder of on he said you cannot be a luxury shoe without creating a scarcity of supply right that he had that he instantly recognized he wanted a shortage every single year then they came out with their models and to be able to, to be able to proceed to be yeah. able to get the price perception he wanted they produced only a certain amount and then they you know they that that shoe was gone after a certain point of time and you couldn't get it right yeah yeah so i think scarcity comes into play a lot with with luxury goods. Um, but you know, going back to the question, like that's why I am looking at real estate right now and saying, is all real estate luxury? Because although it's shifting and we know that the markets that, you know, most, if not all markets are different, but in, in many markets right now across the country, housing availability for, for rent and for, for, uh, for purchase, um, is scarce and it's hard to find houses. And there's a lot of reasons behind that, but, it's it's really becoming a, a, a luxury in certain markets to be able to buy a house. I think so. I mean, I think that you know the we we've talked for you know many years about how the fact that when prices go up, volume goes down. When rates go up, volume goes down. But that that's a different question right now because you have people who have you know I I subscribe to the theory that there is you know mortgage rate lock in, where if you've got you know, I've got clients with like two and a quarter percent interest rates and they are never ever going to sell. Never, you know, but I think that that creates scarcity in, in our market um, because you still have people who are having kids at least for the next 15 years, 20 years. Not as many as they used to. But right. Yeah. And you talk we talk about like why, why is, you know, let, let's talk now about why real estate in most markets is scarce right now. And there's a couple of stats out there that we that we all know um, that we can talk about. And that's, you know, 30 percent of 30 to 35 percent of the country. We, we've seen some varying um numbers here don't even have a mortgage on the right. house, right? So we, we know that. At the so, time of purchase, or are you talking about an actual home ownership? Home ownership. Okay. Right now. Don't even have a don't even have a mortgage in their house. They own their home free and clear. They're paying their taxes and maintenance and and that's it. Um, so eighty five percent of those with a mortgage have a rate below five percent. Ninety nine percent have a rate below six percent. And so we you know the the idea here is that sell homeowners, prospective sellers have these golden handcuffs where if they are going to trade up or sell and buy something new, then they are in a position where they're going to have to, their monthly has to go up. Their monthly has to go up or they have to come to come to terms with the idea that they can't be going around to their dinner parties, bragging about their two and a half percent interest rate anymore. <laughs> and they're going to have to tell people they have a 6.25% interest rate, which really it's totally embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, you know, as of as of this recording, the Freddie Mac has got their published rate at six point three nine percent, which is still 48, 49 basis points lower than it maxed out, which was in what December or November of, of last year. We hit our our kind of peak point, so we are down. But again, to Jonathan's point, ninety nine percent of the people out there have not bought between November and now, and so the rates seem high in comparison to what they're holding in their, their current homes. Well, you also have an, you have an entire generation of home buyers or of, of people who've never seen until now rates above 5%. Right. You know, so it's easy for us to say, for me to say that I tell everybody, my first loan was eight and an eighth, you know, 20 some odd years ago. Mom was selling real estate at 18%. It's easy to say historically that that's where rates have been. But we, when your window is 10 years, 
and people are staying in their houses for longer, that window expands. I mean, they're accustomed to 3% or 4%. They look at the news like, I'm not going to sell. And so I think that that, for me, also, you look at demographics and a creation of scarcity. You know, the, you know, 40%, some 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49 say they are not likely to have children. You know, so that's a huge number, which will have impact on, you know. It's enormous for our long-term economic stability. Correct. Yeah. And, but then you, t- you, you, you buttress that with Americans in their 40s are the most likely to be sandwiched between their children and an aging parent. Right. More than half in this age group, 54, 54%, have a parent age 65 or older or are raising a child or a child uh, younger than 18 is living with them. You know, so I, I think the scarcity question is also the right kind of house right. that is also attainable and affordable. Because, you know, you know, anybody practicing right now has clients coming with parents or coming with an, with an older kid or they have two or three kids. Yeah. I mean, you, you have houses that were built 30 years ago that just aren't designed for this current reality. So there, there is a real scarcity of viable homes that are also attainable. There's a real scarcity in that, and this is one reason why home builders right now are their home buyer confidence index is creeping up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I read an article this past week that right now um, builders say that a third of the housing inventory that's coming on the market is new construction, and the historical average is 10%. And so you combine resales are down, and builders that have the resources right now are doubling down and tripling down on new construction and building houses. And so that percentage of, you know, for every hundred homes that's on the market, you know, if 33, if 33 of them are new construction, then that makes a big impact on the market, gives maybe some of the the ability to customize a little bit, but it also goes to the point where if I'm selling a house today, I can't really do too much with the rate. Sure. I could, for my, prospective buyer i could maybe credit them a little bit and you know do some things to buy it down a little bit home builders are being super aggressive they are and they are buying rates down and sometimes they're buying rates down for uh, for a year and getting them getting Teaser these buyers rates. to three and a half percent right so the perception is i moved in and i can go to the party and brag that i've got it hey, i just got a new home and i'm at three and a half percent well 12 months and one day from now, you may not be anymore, but these teaser rates, you're right, Keith. Yeah, and I and I will say to the home builder piece, I, I pulled um, with one of our markets I was able to, to look at going back about, you know, eight, 10 years of, of what our percentage of homes sold were new construction versus resales. And we've gone from, you know, below 13 or right at 13% back in 2016, and we're looking at close to 25% of all of our homes sold in, in that market are, our new construction and that is a tremendous change and i think if we look at you know your wells fargo home home builder sentiment index you're right it's gone from you know just a few months ago only 30 percent 32 percent of of builders were seeing themselves in a positive economic situation and it's up 15 percent now in the last just last quarter that's right i mean for you know looking at some uh, this is john burns you know fourth quarter 22 the headline is with a phenomenal quarter for profits, but a lousy quarter for no no home sales, because the sales are down. Yeah, but they're but they're but holding the, their prices while we're seeing fluctuating building prices. Right. Correct. So lumber, which we all know during the pandemic, there were problems with tariffs. There were problems with all kinds of things happening early on that caused 
a massive shortage of of yellow pine, mm -hmm. um, and which is used in the framing. And that those prices hit the composite index hit something like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars, and is now down to four hundred. That's a tremendous savings for the home builders, not getting passed along dollar for dollar because there are other there are other costs involved. Obviously, the house is not just lumber, but right. that was a huge. The framing package is a huge portion of the cost of those homes, and they are now down. 70% on those those actual costs. Um, but the builders are seeing absolutely good profit years, but it's it's a on very limited sales. I mean they're getting better margins but very limited sales. That's a, it's, lim it's limited right now. And so, you know, what, what is you know, Jim, what are your thoughts on what, what's dry? You know, tip, if you went to Econ 101 right now, they would say typically if you look at a chart of any industry and sales are down, Prices are probably down too. Mm -hmm. That's not happening right now, right? No. It's our sales are are down in most markets and are down nationally, but in in most markets, not all, and it's shifting a little bit. Yep. But in most markets, prices are are up. They're stable or up right now because the the demand is still there. It, 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 it the homes the home the inventory is not there nationally, but I think you look at the pockets. I mean, you know the there are so many pockets of our market that. You know the luxury is 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 just crushing the market because you have uh, people in the you know the top X percent of the of the income and earning et cetera. They're for the for the most part are fine, and they're driving the market. Yeah. You look at yeah. the cash the cash purchases. Um, so since October twenty twenty two, nationally twenty five percent of buyers um, were cash, but last month it was 28%. And you're like, that's not that big of an increase. 25 to 28% across the whole country. It's a big increase. So there is a ton of cash out there and we've got this, this certain tier. I don't want to say it this way to come across as like obnoxious, but there's a certain stratosphere financially of the market right. that is driving these prices yeah. right now. And so the question is, what happens if I'm, I'm joking when I say this, but what happens if like we wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden we've like, you know, found a, uh, a mine of houses and there's like, like a flood of houses that comes onto the market. What happens? I, well, I will say it know, depends. If you go back to a year, you know, in Virginia, we're seeing sales off close to 24% year over year, right? Right now um, for closings in, in Charlottesville and in, in our MSA, we are down, um, you know, similarly 22, 23% off, but the, our price continues to go up. But for the first time in a long time, our median price of closed is lower than the median price of ask. So we're now, we're finally getting to the point where we are not seeing the majority of homes selling for over asking price. And that is a, that is a shift that's going to start pointing to then the prices start dropping. The tide is shifting. So, yes. so in, in March of last year, um, nationally, there was 5.5 offers per house, right? And now it's 2.7, and you you know still think gosh, 2.7 2, 2. is great. 2.7 is great, but it's not 5.5, and no. so we're starting to see this this shift. And at some point, you know, in in every market, I think across the country where people are listening to it, there either has been or will be an inflection point where we're going to start to drop off, and that 2.7 is, you know, I would bet. Uh, I would bet that we're not going to be at 2.7 this time next year. No, I'm going to write that down. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I think that it's, you know, it's impossible to say like for, you know, I, I would probably agree with you on that, but it, 
right now we're not seeing massive shifts of inventory coming on, coming online. Right. You know, it, at a at a broad again at a broad spectrum affordable place. You know, if in our market new construction is eight hundred. Give well, so or take. The, but, so the question is, do builders want to get back to that original? Do they want to be building the volume that they were building? And let's look back. We'll go back to the car market for a second, right? So in the beginning of the pandemic, when we suddenly had this shortage of chips and cars were not available, suddenly people went to dealerships and they weren't finding anything. And they had to wait for cars. Car dealers nationwide had the best year ever last year. Hands down, the most profitable year they've ever had. They do not want cars on their lots anymore. They want to do away with their inventory. Scarcity. They w- mm-hmm. Right. They want to have this piece. So the question is, are builders operating in the same mindset of, you know, go back to pre-2005, builders were putting out spec houses all the time. And then they went to this pre-sale model, which they were like, oh, this is great. Now I can go to the bank and say, I've already sold the house. They're getting better lending. They're getting better margins. We've kind of maintained that model, at least in in most of our markets, where we're really not seeing a whole lot of spec construction. We're seeing mostly pre-sold homes, and are those more profitable? Are those are those better? Um, you know, are the margins better for builders where they want to keep the scarcity going and they want to keep people waiting for their product? I mean, if you're making more profit by selling fewer houses, it makes sense to stay at that at that level, right? You know, so I think that it, again, not a builder, not a national local home builder, but I think that if if you can achieve a higher price point and a higher profit margin by doing 25% fewer houses every year, why wouldn't you? Well, it also enables you to sell the product that people are asking, the actual buyer is asking for, right? So when we're talking about you know being sandwiched between you know children and aging parents, yeah. you're now able to go in and buy the house that does have the first floor master if that's something you need for your parents or for yourself. It is a, you know, it, it allows us to do um, you know, more and more areas are zoning for accessory dwelling units. And so we're using those for granny flats or for rental properties or for, you know, and I think going to this scarcity model, this, this pre-sale construction does allow the builders to, to plan better for the actual demand, not just for a perceived demand or, you know, we're not buying what we're told we want. We're actually able to buy what we want. Right. Yeah. So I think that from a builder standpoint, I'll just chime in quickly and say, I think there's a balance in there with the homes builders clearly have to build a certain number of houses mm-hmm. but if you go too far then right if if we've if a, if a builder has 127 homes on the market even though if there's just 128 total homes in the market but i have 127 of them well a buyer is going to realize like I, i've got some negotiating power well i think you, i think you might house. see that with apartments in the ne- in the next couple of years i i agree with you know, we're already starting to see it so yeah. we're we are starting to see and i've had conversations in virginia and across the country with people that are saying Rent prices and demand for rent uh, rental housing has definitely dropped off, and so for sure that's definitely happening. And it's it goes back to scarcity. There's been this massive boom that started in the pandemic. These apartments are coming online, right? And all of a sudden, I've got options. Yeah. Right? I've got six options to choose from. So maybe I'm not paying seventeen fifty. I'm gonna take sixteen seventy five. I mean, I think that to the you know a, a twist on that scarcity. I'm looking at a, a, a story now, talking about the aging population. Eight in ten seniors don't want; they want to stay. You know, they want to age in place. What is it? Says ninety-four percent of the 150 million homes in the U.S. had at least one aging accessible feature. In 2020, just 10 percent were ready to accommodate older residents. So I think that that's a you know that that house is probably going to be renovated. And it's going to keep one more house off the market, but it's going to keep one more buyer out of the market. You know, so I think that you're looking at a, at a housing stock that is not ready for the next 10 years. 
And so I think there are going to be opportunities in there for, for realtors to take advantage of that, but also for consultants and, and remodelers and builders. If we, if we, if they shift out of building, they've got a monster market to step into. Well, I look, I think as we talk about the interest rates, when we talk about the number of, of people who are, are sitting mortgageless or super low mortgaged, um, remodeling is going to be the key for, for all kinds of real estate growth for the next 15 years. I mean, right. that's, that's a brilliant place to, to be positioned right now because that's, that's where people are going to be investing their money because they can. They can do it in smaller, in smaller tranches. Yeah, so remodeling leads to continued scarcity. So I'll you know, not backtrack completely, but slightly backtrack on my, uh, on my statement that this time next year there's going to be fewer than 2.7 offers on, on each house. Maybe not if the scarcity continues. And we've, you know, we've had this conversation last week, and I'll tell the story, this quick, like, 45-second story um, right now, but talking about scarcity and pricing. Back when I was 20 years old, I had uh, Jimmy Buffett for President stickers printed up, and I went around to concerts all up and down the East Coast and sold them for $3 for one sticker and two for five. And I sold all summer. Like I sold, I paid for all the concerts I went to. I went to nine concerts and sold and paid for everything I needed to. Well, a couple of years later, eBay became a thing and I stumbled across a small handful of stickers and I put one on eBay and I got $47. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I put one on the next one on. I got, you know, a couple dollars less, 42 and then 37. And I sold a, a bunch of them in the 25 to 30 range. And, you know, I'd say probably sold 15 to 20 and above $25. And then all of a sudden the price dropped. The next one I put on, I got $5 for right. it, $7 for it, $5 for it. And it comes down to there's a certain segment of the market that's willing to pay pretty much within reason whatever they can afford for something. But as that segment of the market is there's not as much demand and there's the perceived fact that there's not scarcity, that these stickers continue to come up. People are like, well, there's not just one. There's This guy's got a, a stack of them, and I'm just going to wait for the prices to drop. You need to bundle them with Nest golf pencils. We do have some Nest golf pencils. <laughs> Limited edition. I mean, I would wager that the, that, that scarcity is what we're seeing in the market to a certain degree, is that people, there's, there's, there's the actual and, and real scarcity, but also perceived scarcity because real estate is timed. People don't have the luxury to say, hey, if, if a sticker comes on eBay, I'll buy it. It's my kids start school. I'm my moving, job starts I'm on June 15th. I'm market and I need a house. And, and, and I do think as we talk about what's going to drive the market, people do move and you know move communities. They take new jobs when they do, when they have children, when there are driving forces that require a shift in their housing model, people will be paying 7 8% on interest rates and it will become the new normal. I mean, I think this is a, this is a mindset adjustment, right? I mean, this is realizing that scarcity, you know, we may not have 30 homes to look at in a weekend, but there are still some, there are, there are options available. They just may well, not be ideal. The other thing that I'll say is I've been in real estate for 20 years, so I can only go back 20 years, but communication right now and news stories and social media and conversations at parties, words, Word spreads quickly with everything. Right. So the fact that there are five, were 5.5 offers per house and there's news stories and people posting on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook about their challenges getting houses, that just creates that perception that there's scarcity. Mm -hmm. If you took this market right now and rewound it to 1972, where everything was the same, 
in terms of inventory and demand and all those economic foundations were the same. But you took away the shareability of the But you took away the ability for people to communicate broadly. What does the market look like? I don't think it I don't think it's going up and to the right from a price standpoint as much as it is now because it's all you wouldn't know you would know if a house sold by looking at the MLS book like oh that house sold last week you wouldn't know that it had 19 offers on it and so it's the speed of communication and the ease of communication and getting the word out that I think is also driving that frenzy right it's a frenzy out there so I think that the you know uh, the thing that I would counsel you know consumers listening to this and agents and brokers listening to this is be mindful of the information that you that you ingest yes and also be mindful of the information that you that you share because i think that we all have a responsibility to one be as educated as possible in what we read and and process but also in, in how we prep our clients because it's easy to say this market is you know is x but if you say it with you know a dispassionate you know pers- you know mindset and 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 not the emotional, oh my God, this is awful. I think that we can have an, an impact on the market. I, I think, you know, the interesting question though that I'm just kind of going back to this whole thing started on the question of luxury, right? And the issue of, are we talking about, is has real estate become a luxury good, period? Like the, the ability to purchase. I mean, we're talking about this scarcity with just this, we're all kind of accepting the fact that there is an enormous scarcity and enormous pricing um, differential that we've seen. And I think, you know, part of what we talk about regularly is the fact that we need housing is, should be more of a human right, more of an opportunity, more of of something that we want as a, um, you know, not just a high aspirational attainment, but something that everybody's searching for. And, and I think it's it is amazing the way this conversation has kind of gone in a very different direction very quickly because that's the reality of that of the current market environment. Well, it's 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 you know it's it's there's no solution that I can put forth. No. You know of, of how to solve this. So I think that the reality is and the recognition is, housing is luxury right now. Housing is luxury right now. I bought my first house at 24, and there's no way right now with no. prices that, that I could buy it at 24. And in last year. Um, Last year, 27% of purchases were first-time home buyers. If you rewind that to 2010, it was 53%. And so we've gotten to this point where it's the second homes and the higher-end properties that are selling and prices are getting pushed up. And look, I, I think it's a luxury item right now. And more, mm-hmm. more homes come on the market, maybe my tune changes, but you know, if you talk to somebody, if you talked, if, if, you, know, if you ran into somebody or a, a, a 26-year-old reached out to you and said, I want to buy my first house and you vetted them and they had the ability to buy that first house, you would think, man, this is a, a luxury for the, for the, for this 26 year old, but they wouldn't recognize it. Maybe you know? not, but, but we would because of our perspective. Right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Y'all. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to spend time with us. Uh, if you've not already subscribed to sweat the details, please spend a few seconds and subscribe to sweat the details wherever you find our podcast.